This week on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we talk Space Jam, discuss the new hit show Invincible, Charles Barkley is a dog, and more. Stay tuned for this week's episode of TVM Live. Jackson walk up and this is my house. I'm Jason Simmons and I'm in front of a live studio audience. I'm Jordan walk up and it's time to slam get ready to jam. That's right ladies and gentlemen we're talking about one of the touchstone films that defined a generation Space Jam. Now for those of you who aren't familiar Space Jam stars two of the biggest names in entertainment Bugs Bunny and Mike Jordan. Now, you may be wondering, how did this incredible duo come to be? And we don't really know that. This movie is an enigma. I've seen it many times and still don't really understand how any of it started or how we got here. But, Jackson, give us the rundown on what Space Jam is. So, there's this planet uh, called... Uh... Moron, Moron Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. An asteroid called Moron Mountain where aliens live. And there's a theme park. And the guy who owns it, uh, he sends some little aliens to get the Looney Squad people to come be in <laughs> the amusement park. And, you know, they get there and they're like, oh, you guys are small. You can't, you can't take us to your mountain. And... Then they're like, all right, we won't take you if you if we make a deal. And they're like, okay, we're going to play basketball. So they have to get Michael Jordan to help them win. But I love how it, this, this movie really capitalizes on those iconic cartoon characters, the Looney Squads. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up watching the Looney Squad every morning. After watching that movie and having them referred to as like the Looney Squad or whatever for most of it. It's the Toon Squad. Toon Squad, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah, so you got these weird alien guys that come in and steal the incredible powers of some of the biggest names in the NBA. and Of 1996. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, characters like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are just able to go toe-to-toe with them like it's no big deal. This movie, we're going to get a little spoiler heavy here. Um, Everything happens the exact way you're anticipating it happening. Uh, Big basketball game, good guys win, they all celebrate. But there's a lot that happens in this movie that will really throw you. Like, Bill Murray's there. A lot. (laughs) Bill Murray's really important in this movie as Bill Murray. And like... It makes you really stop and think what was going on at that point in time where they call up Bill Murray and they're like, hey, we got this movie where Michael Jordan plays basketball with Bugs Bunny and we need you in it. And he's just like, I'm there. (laughs) I think it's based, like the idea behind it is from a, like Air Jordan's commercial 
that mm. Nike did, uh, where it was Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan, and they were just like, this is pretty good. We can make a movie of this. <laughs> I really love when the people that make commercials get super ambitious, and they're like, hey, you know the Geico cavemen? They're pretty funny. Let's put them on television for 22 minutes a night every week and see how people feel about it. And it always goes bad, but somehow this knocks it out of the park. <laughs> Every movie since has just been trying to live up to what Space Jam did. There's been some big movies of the past few years. I mean, we're talking Avengers Endgame, you know, real big stuff like The Lighthouse. (laughs) I mean, it's all just trying to capture the kind of magic that Space Jam really just captured naturally without having to really try. Now, Jackson, if you had to, you had to pick a single scene out of this masterpiece to be like, that is what Space Jam is. What would you go with? The scene at the end during the basketball game where Mike Jordan goes to dunk, but the Monstars hold him back, so he just <laughs> embraces his Looney Tunes power and stretches his arm out to make the dunk. That really just gives you the whole vibe of the movie. My favorite thing about that scene is he's being held back by the Monstars. He's also like... He's past the three-court line when he starts his jump to do the dunk. Uh, but the camera cuts away after he gets the point, and then it cuts back to him like a second later, and he's holding on to the rim, even though he was nowhere near it other than his outstretched arm. I mean, I'd say he then stretched in to yeah. <laughs> yeah, for him, it's a really interesting power. He can stretch his arms out however far he needs to without exception. The problem is he always has to then go to his hand, not bring his hand back. He's like Mr. Fantastic, if Mr. Fantastic had one incredibly specific weakness. (laughs) Now, I gotta say, the scene that really encapsulates the movie for me is definitely pretty early in the movie when uh, when Mikey Jordan gets sucked into a golf hole uh, and Bill Murray and Larry Bird just leave. (laughs) They're just like, well, I guess that happened. Uh, Even better. they They make a joke about how they're just gonna put down... That they got it, the they got the hole in two. <laughs> Even better, Bill Murray's just like, you know, I think I can be on the team now. Yeah. Bill Murray's dead set on playing in the NBA throughout this movie, and like, I really wish he would have followed his dreams. He steps away there at the end, because like, you know, he's a middle-aged man who wasn't in super great shape at the time, but like, really, this movie showed that anyone can be a professional basketball player, including Tweety Bird, for some reason. <laughs> It doesn't matter what you are. If you're some kind of Tasmanian devil or, like, a small bird, maybe a fictional bunny rabbit, even if you're a date rapist. <laughs> Jesus. Pepe Le Pew's in there, and he gets he gets one big scene. Yeah, so for everybody that's really upset about the fact that Pepe Le Pew has been cut from the upcoming Space Jam sequel. I do want to point out, he's in this movie for three minutes or so, and most of that's just being in the background of other scenes. He's not in the movie at all until the big game, and even then he's not in, like, the first half of that. So, like, this guy really wasn't moving mountains to begin with. Now, the other thing, the censorship that everyone is rightfully angry about, my girl Lola, like... The way that the mainstream media is holding her back in the new movie really shows how far, as a society, we have we have degraded, I guess. 
I imagine Warner Brothers feels a lot like the owner of the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Cancel culture is really taking away <laughs> everything he loves. That's just a specific poll that I don't know people will get the reference even like today, much less if they're listening to this like a few weeks out for the rest of eternity. I say we leave it in. This week's episode is all about the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> And that one horse that got taken down by cancel culture, and also its drug addiction. What? <laughs> okay, so, totally related to Space Jam. <laughs> Essentially, the horse that won the Kentucky Derby had a post-race drug test. You know how you do drug tests after the fact? Um, and found out that there was performance-enhancing drugs being used. And then the owner, who has been in trouble for giving his horses drugs on many occasions in the past, said this only happened because of cancel culture and how the times are changing. So, you know, he's he was just like, back in my day, we could just give horses all the steroids we wanted and it was fine. And he's like, but not today. Things are bad. You have to consider the safety of the animal. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're taking away... All of the incredibly uncomfortable sex appeal of Lola Bunny in the new movie. And, like, what's even the point of watching this movie now? They're not even taking away her sex appeal. They literally just put her in a different outfit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Instead of wearing a crop top to a basketball game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, part of the reason we wanted to, to watch this movie was because there is the sequel coming up. And we actually just found out in the last couple days that Mikey J will be back for the sequel. Most likely only as a cameo or in one scene. But, you know, it's still cool that, like, he and Bugs are still tight like that. I was worried there had been a falling out somewhere in the past 20 years, which is why he was not going to be starring again. But it seems like they're they're still hanging in there together. I'm really excited to see LeBron James and Mickey J... You know, really go at it on the field. Uh, I I think that even though it's been a few years, uh, Michael Jordan, he's probably still going to have all of his Space Jam powers. Yeah. Specifically the stretchy arms. Yeah. Maybe even more stuff. You know, he went back to the NBA at the end of Space Jam, but we don't know that he wasn't using those abilities in the rest of his NBA career. And we don't know. He could have kept playing for another 25 years. Like, we don't know what happened after that with Michael Jordan's career. What Michael, you, say? you think he's got any other stretchy limbs? Like, are his legs stretchy? <laughs> hey, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't want to talk about like that. I said that now. I, I want to make it clear. I was more talking uh, his legs. Hey, MJ, what other appendages <laughs> This episode's going to have to have the adult content tack on it. <laughs> And I hate that it was a joke about Michael Jordan's junk that got us there. But, yeah. I this... think instead of the Space Jam theme, the theme for the new one should be uh, tricky. <laughs> uh, but Space they should Jam's just change tricky. it to be about basketball. Yeah. yeah. I am really interested in just how buck wild the new movie is. Because essentially, what's happening in the new movie is. LeBron James' son doesn't want to play basketball. He wants to be a computer programmer or a game designer or something. He wants to work with computers. And for some reason, LeBron James is like, no, go into a field with some stability, 
just being my son. <laughs> and, uh, and basically, uh, Don Cheadle, who is playing an AI, kidnaps his son and is like, well, actually, I'm going to need you to play basketball to save him. And LeBron James, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time, is just like, you know, that probably is the one thing I stand a chance in. So, like, let's go with that. So, it's it's just such a weird concept. Like, in this movie, they go underground, which I guess is where the Looney Tunes live. <laughs> and, and in the new movie, they are going into the internet, which is definitely where the Looney Tunes still live to this day. So, it's it's a wild change. I like to think it's an alternate universe. Mm. Um, Space Jam... That's where they're gonna find they're gonna find Mickey J. Ah, yeah. they're gonna go into the alternate universe where the Looney Tunes live underground instead of <coughs> on the internet, and they're just gonna be like, "We need you to teach us how to play basketball." <laughs> yeah, we only have one guy that knows how to play. Oh no no no! Hear me out. Hear me out. So in this movie, at like halftime, uh, Michael Jordan is just like. Y'all, I got this special sauce. It's a liquid from my body. If you drink it, you get good at basketball. And everyone's like, got it. And they start drinking it. So I'm thinking, this time around, LeBron James' team is actually going to be winning by a huge margin at halftime. And then as they're coming out of the locker room, the Monstar equivalents, whatever the new bad guys are called, uh, and they're like, oh yeah, well we got a secret weapon. And then you slowly see it pan up from this one guy's feet. He's wearing, like, all black supervillain armor. And then when it gets to his head, it's Michael Jordan. And he just is the villain of the movie from that point onward. I really like it. Is he, like, the captain of the bad team? Yeah, I like to think he's he's the one pulling the strings the whole time. But he didn't think he needed to bring his talents onto the court. <laughs> he thought... He thought his team had it covered. He realized he underestimated the Bron James and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> he created the Don Cheadle AI. Ooh. I'm in. I'm in. It's unfortunate that this is definitely going to be a bad movie because, like, there's so much potential that I just think they're not going to deliver on with the sequel. Uh, I, I think it's going to sort of have, like, Ready Player One syndrome where... It's just going to be 80% cameos or, like, references to existing other non-Looney Tunes properties, except for the actual basketball. Uh. I just can't wait to see how they ruin Iron Giant. <laughs> I've seen him in the trailers. Yeah. You know, you got that iconic line where he says, I'm not a weapon, in his yeah. own movie. I can't yeah. wait for him to, like, kill one of the monsters. <laughs> yeah. I guess, so at the end of this movie, the Looney Tunes and the monsters kind of, like... You know, they're in good spirits. Like, they, they're helping each other out. So, like, I think it'd be interesting if instead of Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, LeBron James just uses the Monstars. <laughs> and they still have, like, they still have the talent of uh, a bunch of 90s NBA players. But the modern, like, to the, like, they go and get the powers of the same players back today where they're all 25 years older. <laughs> Space Jam's weird. <laughs> Really is like kind of the epitome of the '90s. I think really yeah. the entire decade was just leading to Space Jam, yeah. and the remaining four years after Space Jam were a mistake. <laughs> it's also weird because I like, of course, I I was born in the '90s, so I, I can't speak for decades before. I, I too don't... was born in the '90s. Hashtag Pogcamp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but 
like I can't picture any other athlete or really anything even comparable that could be done today. Like LeBron James is a close second, but he still doesn't have that level of fame that Michael Jordan did. Like you can't just take another famous athlete and another famous character and throw them together and turn it into a hit. Like you can't just have like Lionel Messi and Kermit the Frog doing a movie together and it just like sets everything on fire. You say that, I would absolutely watch that. Yeah. But like there's just there's no other athlete that's ever like held this place in people's mind that could just have a movie about their sport doing wild stuff with a cartoon character and it be a thing that people care about at all. Maybe just the famous actor. I'm thinking Shirley Temple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like seventy year old Shirley Temple. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't think that there's a whole lot that we can say about Space Jam that hasn't been said a thousand times before. But I still think it's important in true, totally biased media form, to go ahead and and review this movie officially. So, Jackson, give us your pros, your cons, and your score of this movie, (laughs) which is, like, 12 years older than you. You know, uh, pros? Uh, enjoyable to watch. (laughs) I love when movies are enjoyable to watch. Uh, cons? Some of my favorite movies are enjoyable. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess back to pros, it's, it's got the Looney Tunes in it. I used to watch, yeah. <laughs> I, used, I used to watch Looney Tunes a lot when I was a small child. Uh, just, so. just to point out, he was watching the Looney Tunes show on Cartoon yeah. Network. No, not even that. Like, actual Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Good old uh, boomerang. Six years old in the mid 2000s. No. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, actually, okay. I think I watched it. Uh, like Cartoon Network had a morning block mm. that that showed Looney Tunes when I was younger. Yeah, that sounds, sounds right. Accurate. Yeah. Anyways. Um, anyways. Um, uh, cons. Con. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of any cons. <laughs> It's not, like this is, one. <laughs> it's not like this is, like, an excellent 100 out of 100 movie or something. I just can't think of anything bad with it. Well, okay. Why don't you give us your final score, then? Um, 7 out of 10. Alright. I'm here to tell you, I'm rating Space Jam. It's got the best soundtrack of all time. If you really like I Believe I Can Fly and the Space Jam theme, and you want to hear them several times each... <laughs> It's got, uh, it's got an all-star cast. I mean, Larry Bird's there, Charles Barkley's there, Patrick Ewing's there. I mean, who else you need? <laughs> the stars of the movie. Uh, I mean, Wayne Knight. That scene where he gets blown up like a balloon. Chef's kiss. It's beautiful. It's truly the epitome of film. Um, cons. I agree, with Jackson. No cons. <laughs> I can think of one con, Pepe Le Pew. I hope he's in prison now. <laughs> that character makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to rate the movie. Uh, we use a 10 scale around yeah. here. So I'm thinking probably a 50 out of 10. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to... I have a con, but it's not with the movie. It's with society's reception of this movie. You know, I watch this film and think, wow... This Mike Jordan guy, he's going somewhere. This guy is on the fast track to being the actor. The one that you want in every movie, in every major role. 
like I thought for sure he'd be a household name by now. I haven't seen him in anything since. <laughs> but I mean, like, this movie's wild, y'all. It does some things. It's the most 90s thing I have ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, Bugs Bunny, Mike Jordan. This was where Lola was created. Like, this movie had everything you want in a movie. I'm going to have to go with a 51 out of 10. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's time. You know what that means? The official totally biased media score for the hit film Space Jam is a 36 out of 10. <laughs> I think this this is probably the highest rated thing of the entire show. It so might like... continue to be. The only thing I might even consider rating higher is if I could review Disco Elysium again... <laughs> I would give it a 37 out of 10. (laughs) Well, we are planning to do an episode coming up where we just review Disco Elysium five times in a row. So so maybe you just, like, add them together. Yeah. But I think that just about does it for our conversation about Space Jam. I'd love to stay here and talk more, but we have something else we got to get into. So Invincible, it's a show where superheroes are bad sometimes. I know, I know. You haven't seen anything like it. So I want to give some background on why we decided to talk about this show. So when Jason pitched the idea of doing an episode about Space Jam, I was totally on board. Like, it's, it's you know, an important movie in my childhood. It was... You know, we, we had a break. We're not going to be putting on an episode next week. We're on episode 10. It's like, this is perfect. We're doing it. But then Jackson was like, we got to talk about Invincible. I'd only seen one episode and wasn't really hooked yet. So I was like, eh, that's fine, I guess. So I decided to binge the rest of the show. I just got to say, much like McDonald's, ba-da-ba-ba-ba, it's pretty good. <laughs> So, Jackson, what is Invincible? Invincible is about Mark Grayson, a 17-year-old high schooler, because, you know, he's 17, he's going to be in high school, uh, who is the superhero Invincible. If you can guess by his name, um, he gets beat up real badly a lot. He is not Invincible. No. Mark Grayson, a 17-year-old elementary schooler. (laughs) (laughs) Now... Invincible is pretty dang durable, but he is not invincible. No one in the show is invincible, even the people where that's in their power description that they are invincible. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, Anyways. please continue. Anyways, so, you know, I don't really know where to go from here without giving some spoilers for the show, because really the next big thing to talk about is kind of... Okay, well, how about this? Let's not get into any specific spoilers... Other than sort of the twist at the end of the first episode. Okay. And then how okay. that, re- that that sort of informs the rest of the series. I don't even think right. we need to talk about that. I mean, honestly, there's plenty to talk about that doesn't even really touch the main plot. I mean, a fair amount of the story is really about Mark Grayson trying to really balance his life between his new superpowers and the fact that... He's still in high school, you know. It's very Mm Spider-Man-esque in that he's trying to kind of balance his life 
and also his love life. <laughs> yeah. He's basically, he wants to be this full-fledged superhero that the world can depend on, but he also doesn't want to sacrifice his life as a normal teenager, which is a story that's been done plenty of times before, but there are some curveballs with this show that you don't see in a ton of other superhero media. Yeah. First and foremost, it's real, real violent, <laughs> and there is a lot of blood. <laughs> I mean, it's animated, so it's a lot easier to stomach than something like The Boys, which takes an incredibly similar premise, but there's a lot of gore in there, especially in the later episodes. Yeah, something else definitely worth mentioning is Mark's father is Omni-Man, who is the world's greatest super, uh, superhero. He's also, basic, he's like the exact same as Superman. I think the only thing Superman really has that he doesn't is heat vision. Yeah. Uh, he's he, even he's like, an alien. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everything about him is very Superman-esque, and then his son is starting to develop the same powers. Um, the only difference is that his son is half-human, which isn't really touched on how that changes things for him, but it sort of is a, a major touchstone that he isn't just this, you know, alien figure come just to be a superhero like his father is, which is a pretty significant part of the later parts of the season. I wonder if they're going to go the Dragon Ball route. There was a long time in Dragon Ball Z where they really wanted to establish that Saiyans were powerful, but the children of human and Saiyans were, like, on a whole other level. Yeah. But then they were like, people like Goku more than Gohan. So they were like, actually, Goku is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And then Vegeta also has to be amazing, because they wanted it to be even. Yeah. <laughs> well, they get into a good bit of the, like, half Viltrumite, half other species in the comics a good bit. Yeah. And they never really talk about that i don't think no and i think that there's a lot of backstory here that's glossed over not i'm not saying that in like a isn't established as much as i think they kind of knew they were working with a tight schedule here like it's only eight episodes and i'm pretty sure that was a number that was probably decided pretty early on in the process my biggest gripe with the show is the fact that i don't think eight episodes was enough and there's a couple episodes there in the middle that jump around a lot and don't necessarily contribute a whole lot to the overarching story, or they only contribute one extremely specific detail to the overarching story and everything else was filler. But like that being said, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting art style. It has some really, really cool characters. Like for this to have been basically one guy creating dozens of superheroes for this world there's a lot of depth and variety to every single hero and what their powers can do oh, yeah, we and, should probably mention it's created by the same guy that made the walking dead yeah i thought so yeah, yeah. so this guy knows one comics but two how to sell things <laughs> uh, but yeah essentially this is just this is a story of what are the true complications that would come with living in a world with superheroes and i think in some ways this actually does this handles that better than most other stories that have tried to do something similar but there's also some weird things like i mentioned that it's hyper violent and sometimes it feels like it's incredibly violent and bloody and graphic just so it can be like haha our 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 show is extremely violent and yours isn't like sort of it's like it's trying a little too hard to be this edgy, you know, 
side thing to mainstream superheroes, but the core story is pretty mainstream superhero-y. Not that that's a bad thing, it's just, I think that they're trying to make it into something. They're trying to make it into a critique of superheroes, but then it just falls into a lot of the same trappings that superhero media does. He's mentioned how much blood there is in it. I think my favorite thing about how much blood there is, though, is that almost every fight Invincible is in, most of the blood is from him. (laughs) Dude is covered in blood. I I think he loses just about every single fight he's in throughout the whole series. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, not just loses most of the time, it's, like, goes to the hospital, loses most of the time. Yeah. It's almost like um, the guy from uh, Deku from My Hero Academia... Where he breaks his bones every time he throws a punch in the beginning. Yeah. It feels like that, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's just straight up, the enemies are just beating the crap out of them. I, for me, I kind of look at this show in two parts. There's the part where it is a superhero story about a kid coming to grips with his powers and the world that he's living in and how to be a better hero. And then there's the part of the show where it is this one specific hero who's been thrown into the ground, laying on his back, and is being punched across the face by different people over and over and over again. It happens literally every episode. Literally every episode, at some point, Invincible is thrown into the ground and then punched repeatedly across the face by a different villain. It's a lot. Like, they... I get they want to show that Invincible is inexperienced and lacks a lot of the... lot of the mindset needed to be a superhero but they really didn't need to show it by him getting thrown to the ground and punched repeatedly every single episode (laughs) yeah i do want to mention on top of that with the whole him getting beat up so much um there's an episode about halfway through the show where like he pretty much just gets like a hole bashed through him and then he goes to the hospital for a while that's fine it's things like that with superheroes presumably there's like oh yeah wild technology yeah they've got like very, uh, very good technology. But, like, throughout the comics, that happens a lot. Like, several times. Yeah. Classic. I mean, like, Spider-Man's been shot in the head before. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the better episodes are kind of the ones that focus on his relationships with, uh, Eve, and then, I forgot his girlfriend's name. Uh. Oh. Zazzy Beat's character. Yeah. Amanda... No. I think it's sort of an A, though. And, and his friend William. Amber. 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 Yes. I, I think those episodes are a lot better. Um, pretty early on, he joins a superhero team with a bunch of other teenagers that's just called the Teen Team. You get some good characters in there. There's uh, Duplicate. There's Rex Splode. There's Adam Eve. Uh, and Robot. Robot. <laughs> There's someone else, isn't there? No, it's just them. It's that group and Invincible. I'm probably just remembering how many times Duplicate just turned into an extra person. They pick up more they pick up more characters later as some changes happen to the teams and stuff. But essentially in this world you have a bunch of separate superhero teams and they've almost risen to like celebrity status more than like superheroes. Like in this world people have almost just come to expect superheroes just to show up and fix everything. I think it's more that they've just come to accept that supervillains are going to come in and screw everything up. Right. And it's like, well, we can't do anything. So they just, the superheroes have to come in. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the second episode, just the second episode of the show, there's just like two alien invasions. Maybe there's three? Just yeah. Two episodes in. <laughs> yeah. It, it is 
there's one really cool thing about the show that I don't quite know how to put into words, but I guess the best way to explain it is a lot of superhero media, especially older serial style stories, which I think are generally some of the best superhero content there is, you have an exposition with such of a villain, what their plan is and how they intend to impact the main hero in some way. And then throughout the episode, they fight that villain and defeat them at the end. Invincible doesn't really have that same structure. It's not setting up a villain at the beginning of the series that you're seeing more and more of their plan playing out for the rest of the series. A lot of episodes, they drop in a villain that doesn't necessarily have a full complex arc because it's more showing you how the heroes are reacting and changing to the world around them based on those villains. It's not so much... The plot of an episode is not how do we beat this villain. It is how is Invincible's life changing because of the things this villain does and what's happening in his personal life. Like, there's a lot of episodes where the major villain or villain plot or whatever only makes up, you know, 20% of the episode. And the rest is just about the ins and outs of living life as a superhero. I and think, I think that's a good thing. That, I, does, that, that sounds like it's boring, but it's actually very interesting. I think the majority of the scenes with villains are more to show uh, weaknesses mm-hmm. of the main characters. Uh, specifically, you see a lot of issues with the members of the team team and Mark and like their own character flaws that really come to light when they're fighting villains. Specifically, you know, their, their lack of ability to work together. Um... <laughs> That comes up a lot, like, throughout the whole series, basically. You just see, it's like, oh, characters need to work together. They're not able to yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, a lot of them are too selfish to really work as part of a team, but they've also, you know, they've been put as part of a team. They don't really have options. If they weren't to fight as a team, then there really wouldn't be any... They they wouldn't stand any chance against a lot of the villains. Because almost all the villains in the show are stronger than any one individual hero, barring, like, Omni-Man. Uh, basically, all the fights in the show, I think, not all of them, but the, the vast majority of them are team fights, where it's like a team of heroes fighting one villain. Now, Jackson, I know you were you were a big motivating factor for us deciding to talk about this show, and like I think it's safe to say all three of us liked it, but you clearly, like, there was something that was really special about this show for you. Could you sort of get into what that was? I've been, yeah, I've been trying to think about why I liked this show so much, and I think it's really just like... For most of my life, the only really sort of superhero media is Marvel and DC. And this is probably one of the first non-Marvel or DC superhero things that really clicked with me. Because, like, I, I tried watching The Boys. The premise was good, but, you know, it was a lot of realistic violence and stuff, which I don't really like too much. And honestly, besides that, I can't think of any other superhero media today that is not Marvel or DC. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things that interests me about this show. It's just that it wasn't Marvel or DC and it was still really good. And it was less, I guess, formulaic, I guess is a way to put it, than a lot of pop culture superhero stuff is. Because generally speaking, you know, you can't throw too many curveballs without upsetting true fans of a hero. Whereas Invincible was made from the ground up as... Let's get real about this. Like, Batman, you can't throw him into, you know, situations where he really fails because people have, you know, basically a century of Batman, like, love and respect that they are going to bring into any movie or show or whatever. Whereas Invincible, 
he can get just absolutely annihilated and people just respect that as part of the media. They're not looking for, they're not looking for what is this character to me before they even start watching it. And I think that was definitely uh, an advantage. And I think that we're actually seeing a lot of good like superhero content that isn't related to DC or Marvel lately, or at least not the core DC and Marvel heroes. Like Umbrella Academy was a big one. Let's forget about um, that. I loved that. <laughs> yeah. I think DC yeah. owns Umbrella Academy, though. Yeah, but it wasn't oh. like established characters that are. You, you're even seeing some really popular shows which are quote-unquote comic book, but aren't necessarily, you know, serial action heroes. Like Lucifer, for example, is an extension of Sandman, which was a comic book back in the day. And, you know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of comic book influences in modern media, which you weren't seeing just, like, several years ago, you know. But prior to the MCU, you know, Spider-Man, the X-Men, Batman, Superman, that was really all we had. And we weren't... No one was making any big strides to bring other com- comic book content to any other platform. And yeah. now you have a lot of that. And I definitely think it's good to kind of make series about kind of your... Your C and D list superheroes, mm-hmm. as opposed to only the A list, and then on top of that, especially you know third party publishers, mm-hmm. uh, instead of, I mean, like Jackson mentioned, like DC and Marvel basically own the vast majority of superheroes, and they're not doing anything with a large amount of them. I mean, I know Invincible is a third party thing; it's not really connected to them, but I would like to see more series that are kind of based on more obscure heroes. Mm-hmm. I think there's just, like you said, a lot more you can do with them. It's not too restricted by what the fans want. Yeah. I mean, look at the backlash DC's getting just by talking about maybe doing a black Superman. There is just, there's so much baggage with these huge, huge names, and you can just drop all that when it comes to a show like Invincible. Like, you can get not just more violent and more serious and darker, you can get weird with properties like this. Like, there are some crazy characters in this show and there's some stuff that goes on in some of the later episodes that's just totally off the wall it well, gets... i think the comics are doing a black batman now i believe lucius fox's son is kind mm. of taking over as batman that's mm. kind of cool yeah especially to see like a character that's already established kind of take over the role yeah. uh because i think he was previously batwing maybe yeah it's weird to have a character named batwing and then also a vehicle named batwing yeah <laughs> oh yeah and i know i know the show doesn't is uh, at least the first season didn't do too well, but in season two of Batwoman, they got a new actress because the person that played Kate Kane, uh, I don't know what her name was, but she dropped out of it. And, uh, and the new actress for Batwoman is black, and really don't think I've heard any negative perception about that. It's surprising. Oh, I have. <laughs> I think it's yeah. mostly just I haven't been paying attention to CW yeah. since like before season one of Batwoman. <laughs> no, that's that's fair. I. I used to really love the CW superhero shows, and they've just gotten... In season three of Flash happened. They've gotten so dirt. They're so inconsistent. Such weird stuff. It's it's a whole mess. But that's not related to this. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I, I think part of what has me most excited about this show isn't necessarily the future of Invincible itself. It's that we're now seeing that properties about lesser-known superheroes or weirder superhero situations can make waves on a pretty big scale. I have seen people all over the internet talking about Invincible ever since it ended, and that was not a reception I was expecting to the show whatsoever. It's like, I'm 
I'm really excited about what that could potentially mean for, you know, other characters that have never really had any kind of movie or TV show representation. And I think that, I think that the show is also incredibly ambitious. I mean, it had a monster cast. Everybody in the show was voiced by someone that is a recognizable name, even if they are, even if they're just used to playing like bit parts on like sitcoms, like that Jason Menzukis or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, he's, you know, even if it's people like him that people only really recognize him from a minor role here and there, it's still like all people you know. And specifically, Stephen Yoon and J.K. Simmons are awesome in the oh, yeah. show. Like they have such a good dynamic and they really breathe a lot into their characters. Like it's it's so so cool. I will say some of the character animations are a little weird. You see these moments when their faces are moving a ton and their bodies aren't reacting and, like, the sets are really stationary. But I think, like, the actual voice acting really fit the characters and the tone and the setting. And it it feels like they shaped a lot of the characters after the actors, or at least the actors' demeanor, in some kind of cool ways. Yeah, I I would say probably my two favorite voice actors in the show are J.K. Simmons as Omni-Man and Jillian Jacobs, Gillian... Gillian, Gillian Jacobs. Yeah, Gillian Jacobs as Adam Eve. Yeah. I, I think they both do really well. There's really good emotional scenes for both of them where they kind of get to display their range. And one character that really shocked me, which I've already mentioned to you guys, was Zachary Quinto plays a character just named Robot. And at first he is basically just a comic relief character, but he develops into an incredibly cool character with a lot of depth and a lot of personality thrown in. And I think that... One, he's incredibly well written, and two, Zachary Quinto really knocked it out of the park with the role. Robot is probably one of the most interesting characters I've seen in any comic book media. Granted, it's not much because that's just like <laughs> mainstream Marvel and DC stuff. Yeah, I've told you once, I'll say it again. You guys need to watch Doom Patrol. <laughs> like, it is such an amazing cast of characters, and it's de- it's like it's very similar to Invincible, where it's. Mm. You know, it's not really superheroes you think of. I mean, Cyborg is there, but everyone else in the show is kind of, like, really pulled from the back pages of DC Comics. And it's also got a really good cast. I mean, Brendan Fraser, Dallin Tudyk. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that shows like this are, are really great because they show a lot of potential for what can come from superhero media, but they also sort of remind me that I need to watch more than just big-budget action movies because... I, I tend to buy way too into that culture and then just get blown away by something completely unexpected. Like, for example, um, Knives Out was not a movie I was planning on watching whatsoever, but we just, like, got some gift cards to a movie theater and it was showing, so we went and checked it out, and, like, I was totally... Like, that was the most wrapped up I've been in a movie in a very, very long time, and it was totally outside of the norm of what I watched. I think like, that's one of the only movies that I really sat through and watched multiple times. <laughs> It's because it's that good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Invincible is, you know, Invincible is cool for sure. But I think what's, what I like the most is the potential that this has for itself and for other similar properties in the future. But we have plenty that we still need to get into. So let's let's just wrap it up here. Jackson, what are your final thoughts on the show? Pros. Uh uh, pros, you know, uh, extremely good storyline, very well-written characters, extremely good cast. Probably the most diverse cast I've seen in any superhero anything. <laughs> yeah. 
They got my boy J.K. Simmons in there. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, diversity. My boy, the sixty-year-old man. Uh, cons? I I really don't have any cons with this. I really liked it. It was so good. I'm honestly, I'm gonna have to give this a ten out of ten. I think that's my first 10 out of 10 on the show, which isn't saying much, because most of the stuff we reviewed has been, like, 7s and 8s. <laughs> yeah. I thought Invincible was really good. I I mean, I really enjoyed the the main plot of the story. I think all the characters are kind of well-realized. You know, you don't have a lot of characters that just kind of come across as flat. I think that's a big problem in a lot of superhero media, where it's like, if they're not the title hero, then they don't really get any personification, yeah. or characterization, I guess is a better word. <laughs> but uh, I I really enjoyed that part of it. Like I said, the voice work is amazing. I will say the pacing throughout the series is a little uneven. Uh, I mean, Jordan kind of touched on this earlier, but it, it does feel like some of the episodes don't really move the plot along too much. And I, I don't mind some filler, you know, just kind of to establish character relationships. And I think the show does really well about establishing relationships before really pushing anything else. I think that the main focus of the show is definitely the characters as opposed to the situation. Really, pacing's my only con with it. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there are just some episodes that most of the episodes are really good. I would say like five or six of them were really, really good and like really fun to sit through throughout. There, there was a little bit in two or three of the episodes that just kind of felt added on, kind of like a waste of time that I didn't really enjoy, but it didn't really taint the rest of my experience. And since it's only eight, eight episodes, though, I mean, those two or three episodes makes up a decent portion of it. But I, I would say overall, I'll give it, I want to say an 8.5 out of 10. I mean, I think you really hammered home a lot of my thoughts on it. Uh, I think one thing we didn't really talk about before, which is a minor thing, I don't think it's going to really mess most people up in any way but there is some dialogue in it that feels a little too campy for how realistic some of the characters and the you know the conflicts are um so sometimes it feels like they're leaning a little too much into their superhero-ness when like i said before the show's kind of supposed to be like a critique of superhero media i think but overall like it's a really good plot the characters are incredibly well realized with a lot of depth and background. And I think that this show isn't afraid to, you know, switch up the formula a little bit. You can have a ton of exposition about a character, really get to know and respect their values. And then they just die 12 minutes after they're introduced. <laughs> like it isn't afraid to really throw some curveballs at you, which I think is really, really cool. There are, there are some discrepancies between episodes. There's two in particular that come to mind that just don't really contribute a ton. And I think the first episode, I, I'm beginning to realize it's, it must just be really hard to write a first episode of any given superhero thing. Because with this and with Falcon and the Winter Soldier and with WandaVision, I feel like the first episode was not the best at setting up what the show was. So I felt that again here. But I mean, really... I think that this is a really good breath of fresh air for superhero shows. I think that if they keep the same group of people writing on the show, the same group of people acting in the show, I'm really excited to see what's to come for the future of it. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. You want to do the math for what that gives us? I'm way too lazy to do math on my head. (laughs) So that's a 16.26.5 over three. I I don't know. (laughs) Uh, our, our the TBM final review for Invincible is eight point eight three 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 continuing. Yeah. Right. Well, Invincible. I was a big fan. 
hit me up if you know want some tips on how to make the show really thrive <laughs> i know our opinions really matter to the the people in hollywood that make these things happen anybody handling casting for season two if you'd like me in there i'm not a recognizable name yet but i think if you put me in the show i would be a recognizable name <laughs> Uh, especially if I was a major character. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I mean, I really think Invincible needs another friend other than William. You know, every other every other hero has two friends. This guy only has one. We gotta fix that. Okay. But now that all the reviews and all of our exciting talk about Space Jam, a movie from 25 years ago, is out of the way, <laughs> let's get into the heavy stuff. Jackson, what else have you been into? I've been into the new season of Destiny 2, obviously. Shocker. This is no surprise. Uh, season of the Splicer, which if you've played Destiny 2, you'd think is about the Splicer fallen from uh, Rise of Iron. That's what I was thinking. It I, is. Yeah, I love Bioshock, personally. <laughs> it is still about uh, technology fallen, but these are like... Vex technology fallen. I mean, that kind of just sums up where the story is so far because it's been out for less than a week. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way. Similar, but legally distinct from the Splicer Fallen. <laughs> it's got a whole lot of new weapons, especially since they're adding Vault of Glass back, so it's got raid weapons back. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the first week of it, so there's not really too much to say. So, Jason, what have you been into? Well... I've been getting back into the hit game Metal Gear Solid Five. For some reason, I just got this weird craving to play <laughs> Metal Gear Solid Five. I played it a little bit back when it was free on PlayStation, uh, I think like... Probably two years like ago. Two or three years ago, yeah. And I really enjoyed it back then. Uh, I've gotten significantly more into the Metal Gear lore. I've played through the first two games. So I am still missing, like, all of the important information for Metal Gear Solid V because it's a prequel, and the only games that came before it are, I think, Metal Gear Solid 3 and Metal Gear Solid Portable Ops, maybe? Yeah. And I didn't play either of those. Even though I've heard Metal Gear Solid 3 is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I've been playing Metal Gear Solid V, just, you know, riding my horse so far. I got the dog. You know, important stuff in there. Yeah. I like not killing people. I'm getting pretty good at it. Uh... I'm real good at not killing people. Not in the game, just in real life. I'm still not great at stealth games in general. Like, I think my best rank I got on the mission was Octopus. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, like, the best rank you can get in a mission is Foxhound. Or, I, I think I think an individual mission, the best rank you can get is Fox. And then Foxhound is the rank for doing, like, several missions. Fox rank. Okay, um, so a little more context here. Where does Octopus fit on a scale that ends at Fox? <laughs> I, I think that Octopus is only, like, the rank above Kick, which is the first rank. Okay. So we got... Because I get it beginning at Chick and ending at Fox, but where does Octopus come in? <laughs> to the middle there. It's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> okay. okay. I, I got it on a mission. I, I don't really know what you do to get the different ranks. I'm still at the point where I'm trying to refigure that out. I know I got Foxhound rank uh, at one point when I was playing through it the first time. But I kind of restarted the game because I forgot everything that was going on. <laughs> uh, this time I'm making a point to actually listen to all the cassette tapes. Which means I have not gotten to listen to He Blinded Me With Science yet. Because I've been too busy listening to Miller and uh, Ocelot talk about Afghanistan. <laughs> but I've, I've been having a lot of fun with that. It's a great game. I mean, honestly. I'm ashamed. I know 
I the legends have told me that it is unfinished and it will forever be unfinished, essentially. But honestly, every step of the way until you get to the stuff where Hideo Kojima was basically kicked out of his own company. <laughs> so after we talked about Returnal in last week's episode, I was just like, you know, I gotta give Housemark their due. So I went back and started playing Resogun again. Resogun was the first game we got on the PS4 because we got the console for Christmas. We didn't get any other games at that point because there really there were no launch games for the PS4. It was a it was a horrible horrible launch cycle for the PS4. Uh, but Resogun was free on PlayStation Plus the month that it launched. So you know we played it some back then just until we got some other games and it, it was fun. I never really like really put time into it, but this last week. I have gotten really into this game. For the first time, I'm seeing why people got really into games like Galaga back in the day, where it's just these, like, space shooters that require a lot of speed and precision and knowing the game, you know, backwards and forwards. It's really cool to sort of get into that headspace where you can see a thousand things flying at you from coming different directions and actually know how to react to it. Because when you first start playing this game, you will not, and you'll blow up a lot. But it's it's really cool once you get in the hook of it. It's it's just a regular space shooter. You fly left and right, enemies come at you, you can shoot either direction regardless of which way you're moving. That's it. That's the whole game. I mean, you have specific targets and stuff, and you have to save some people here and there, but for the core of it, it is just aliens are coming at you, shoot them or get out of the way. And, like, it's really, really fun, though. My only gripe with it is the fact that there's been a lot of DLC edits since we last played it, and the DLC is just built into the game, but it doesn't tell you something is DLC until you try doing it, and it's like, hey, you want to try this? It's three ninety nine, and that's really annoying, especially for a game that's been out for like eight years now. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I highly recommend it, especially considering you can generally find it on sale for like less than five bucks. But it's it's a lot of fun. Well, I think that just about does it for this episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. We appreciate you listening, but we do hope you will reach out to us on Twitter at the TBM cast on Instagram at totally biased media, or send us an email to totally biased media at gmail.com. I promise you, if you reach out, we will get back. Now, by the off chance you're listening to this like 10 years from now, probably less likely, but as long as we're still making active episodes and you reach out and we haven't like sold out, we're probably going to get back to you in some way. So like for real, send us your reviews or your suggestions or your critiques of the show, just whatever you got, we want to hear it because we want to make TBM the best it can be. And get in there quick because I do plan on selling out as soon as it becomes an option. <laughs> yeah. All those podcast network out there, we're there. Doesn't matter what you are, what other shows you sponsor, how well you pay, how well you advertise, we're on it. You want to work with us? We're there. We're desperate. Hey, we're recording during Max Fun Drive. <laughs> hey, hey Max Fun, this is some free advertisement. Y'all want to get us in there? <laughs> yeah, but anyways, just reach out to us. We're we're happy to hear from you, even if it's negative. Even if you come at us and you're just like straight up dragging us to the mud, we're still probably gonna read it on the episode. I mean, it just sounds like something we would do. <laughs> I think it would be hilarious. You know what? The meaner the email you send us to a point, we'll read it on the podcast. 
If we, we can tell you're just sending the email to be mean, we won't read it, though. So <laughs> you really got to hit that fine line where you're being mean, but it comes across in a way where it's just like, oh, this person's trying to offer criticism or advice, but they're just a mean person. <laughs> well, anyways, that just about does it. I am Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. And you just felt the bias. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. It's alright.